From time immemorial, beginning with indigenous councils and ancient wisdom traditions, through the work of Western visionaries such as Plato, Galileo, and quantum physicist David Bohm, mutually participatory dialogue has been seen as the key to evolving and transforming consciousness, evoking a flow of meaning, a dia flow of logos meaning, beyond what any one individual can bring through alone. So join us now, as together with you, the active deep listener, we evoke and engage in living dialogues. Welcome to the program. Why Bernie Sanders Matters. We will be doing part two of the program I did on January 22 of this year. So you can go to www.kgnu.org forward slash connections and then forward slash the date one slash 22 slash 2016. So that's part one. It's about why Bernie Sanders matters. A nation will not survive morally or economically when so few have so much and so many have so little. Which is with our guest today, the author of a book of the same name. And we'll mention that he began his reporting career in Vermont with the Rutland Herald in 1974. He came to Washington in 1978 to work as press secretary for Vermont Senator Patrick Leahy. And after a year, he joined the State News Service, where he covered Washington for California newspapers. He then covered business and sports for the Washingtonian magazine, and he now writes for them as editor-at-large. His work has appeared in the Washington Post, Harper's Esquire, Boston, Philadelphia magazines. Harry co-authored The Dream City, Race, Power, and the Decline of Washington, D.C., with WRC-TV reporter Tom Sherwood republished in 2014. It remains the definitive tale of Marion Barry's rise and fall. He also co-authored Enough, Our Fight to Keep America Safe from Gun Violence with former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords and Mark Kelly. Jaffe has won numerous awards for investigative reporting and feature writing. He has taught journalism at Georgetown and American universities, and he lives in Washington, D.C. and Clark County, Virginia, with his wife and daughters. Harry, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad to be with you. Great. So we're going to go right into the program. I've already announced your bio, and people are aware of the fact that we've done part one, which was occurring here on KGNU on January 22 of right. this year. And welcome back. Uh, you've had your big snow blizzard back there, and we have ours approaching just this afternoon and going for a couple of days. So how was it for you? Well, you know, I happen to love... Uh, the snow, it's so un- it's, it's unusual here, and it makes everything stop. And, and you know, we, people who have very important things to do, they can't do them. And I find that very refreshing. <laughs> That's really great. That's beautiful. Well, it's a perfect lead-in to our topic here about why Bernie matters, because one of the headlines that's occurred since you and I were last talking was a particular thing on the Hill in Washington, D.C., which was entitled, Sanders Surge Panics Washington Elite. So did you happen to see that in the Hill magazine? Right, and I'm living it. I I live it every day. (laughs) Good, Um, yes, because you're right there on the spot. Well, you know, keep in mind that when I first started to to write this book back in in, in October, 
you know, the uh, my friends, you know, who are such important, uh, you know, uh, uh, reporters and politicians said to me, well, you know, who cares? Why are you doing this? Uh, who, you know, you know, he's not going to go very far. He's a, a what do they call him? A, a fluke. And uh, we all know what happened after that. Right. Exactly. And now they're sort of stuck. Uh, you know, first of all, they got kind of paralyzed like deer in the headlights, and now they're scrambling. And Hillary, very interestingly enough, has gone into attack mode in kind of a crazy way, using her daughter, surrogate, to come on the air and say things that are very similar to what Bernie's panicked opponents in his whole political career in Vermont did when they realized that the man was closer than they thought in the rearview mirror. <laughs> could not agree with you more. No, you know, I could not agree with you more. Yeah, and uh, I want to encourage people to get your book, Why Bernie Matters. It's subtitled, A uh, Nation Will Not Survive Morally or Economically When So Few Have So Much and So Many Have So Little. It's a terrific book, and it's very timely, and you did, obviously, by definition, write this and prepare this uh, as an independent journalist. You're not promoting Bernie Sanders' uh, campaign. You're not a campaign worker. You're not taking a position on the race. You are doing something extraordinarily important, which is you're helping all of us understand where Bernie came from and his whole deep life experience, which we went over in a very marvelous way in part one of this program from his family that had been in the Holocaust, wiping out the whole father's side, so his connection in the war, and then his growing up uh, in poverty in Brooklyn, in the Jewish community, uh, his going to Chicago, then to Vermont, and then how he evolved from there. And at every single one of his uh, political races, he was just dismissed as a fluke right from the beginning. And when we came very close to election time, people started attacking him. And every single time, it redounded to Bernie's favor, because Bernie is not an attacker. Bernie is just really out there as an educator, saying the principles stood up for since he was a young man. And people get that. They, there's some kind of deep, deep litmus test in the psyche that cannot be conned even by the multi-billion dollars that have gone into our political campaign since Citizens United. Many people can be uh, indoctrinated and they can be persuaded with falsehoods. And we know that's one of the very, very damaged and worst aspects of our political life. But Bernie really is a different kind of phenomenon. So what you saw in the book, reading the book, is that every time he got attacked by the desperate opponent, it redounded to his favor. So and I'm going back to this very bizarre attack by Chelsea Clinton saying that Bernie wanted to dismantle Medicare, that he wanted to dismantle Obamacare, and he wanted to take all of your health care away, and that his plan would cause seniors to pay more for their health insurance. Now, really bizarre. It reminded me of that person in Vermont that said that Bernie actually was against the minimum wage going up in that campaign, which was so strange because Bernie has been for the minimum wage going up decades before anybody else. And so, Absolutely. Yeah, and what I want to do here for today's theme is say that I want to concentrate on this extraordinary elder youth dialogue, which is the first of its kind in our lifetime, really. And I'll say more about that afterwards. 
But basically, we see a septuagenarian, you know, 74-year-old genuine elder, not because he's older, but because he never compromised. He never got into that middle age, middle period of life where you round the corners, you keep quiet, you don't make waves because you have to keep paying your mortgage and move your career forward and so on. Young people have an instinct for truth, an instinct for truth like the emperor has no clothes. And so they recognize something in Bernie, and they are ecstatic to have someone actually talking real talk, not Trumpster talk, which is braggadocio and so on, but just real talk. So his popularity among people under 45 is two to one over Clinton. So this is what I want to concentrate on. So then Clinton puts forward her surrogate of her daughter, who's young, but who actually made this huge mistake of trying to indicate that Bernie was going to threaten rather than improve the health care of people. So let's start there. How do you react to that? Well, it's typical of, of the Clinton machine um, it, because when they feel threatened, it's like a cornered animal. They, they attack, and that's precisely what happened here. And I think that they may have taken a, a page from uh, my book and realized that in the past, when uh, an opponent has attacked um, Bernie Sanders, it, it, he doesn't re- respond in kind. And that kind of Tai Chi uh, response to aggression um, it empowers him. Because if he doesn't react in kind, then the audience, the voters, the electorate, uh, tends to uh, sympathize with him and empathize with him and, uh, and examine the, the reasons and the role and the veracity of the attacker, which is exactly what happened in this case. Uh, if you notice, uh, Bernie Sanders never reacted to that. He never said, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's claim to be, uh, you know, the defender of women is wrong because, you know, she likes men. Something stupid like that. Sanders wouldn't go there. Sanders just, he just waited for the attack to basically be exposed as uh, basically uh, empty. And then he looked better in the, uh, in the aftermath. So that's, that's been Sanders' uh, approach to uh, attack ads and negative advertising his entire career. He refuses to uh, engage, and by refusing to engage, I think that uh, many people respect him more. Now, here's what's amazing to me. The fact when you said they took a page from your book, I don't think they read their book. In your book, what happens is that uh, the attacks always backfire for the reasons you say, because he is a very unusual person in the political sphere. And you've pointed out that he's not fighting back in that way and what effect that has. But traditionally, and the Clinton machine and all the people on the Republican side, every single one of them are playing by the uh, old paradigm, current paradigm rules of the game, which is uh, if you get attacked and you don't respond, you look weak, saying that, well, maybe there's some truth to that. If you yourself are in the political game in the normal way, which is putting your finger to the wind and actually shifting completely your whole position as Cruz has done, as Rubio has done, as Trump has done, and as Clinton has done on a variety of issues, and they just assume that the electorate is uh, inured to that, and they won't really kind of remember what you said last month or yesterday or whatever. You know, uh, right. Romney, I, I agree. Romney I was agree. a great example of that, too. Okay, so Clinton is taking a calculated risk that 
the rules of the game are going to apply here, and she's going to uh, get away with uh, some of these attacks that are clearly personal policy attacks, and I'm saying personal policy in the sense that it's a signature policy of his about single payer. So it's not an attack mm-hmm. on Bernie's person, but it's an attack on one of his core policies that his person is very much identified with, and it's, it was raided by uh, you know Politico or what whatever that uh, internet thing is, as almost entirely false. You know, the fact-checking uh, internet service, uh, what uh, what her young daughter said. PolitiFact. I think it was PolitiFact that, yeah. that, that, that raided him. Yeah, and they were trying to reach out to young people through her, and it just simply is not working. So what I'm going to go to uh, right now is the fact that the major poll from yesterday that everybody was waiting for which is the Des Moines Register poll, uh, which has been uncannily accurate in the last several Iowa uh, elections, has shown that uh, on the Republican side, Trump is 5% ahead of Cruz, uh, 28% to 23%, and then Rubio's back at 15%, which does recognize this Rubio uh, kind of advance that people were commenting on in the last two or three days, but he's down in third place. But for him, that's good. But uh, Trump is above the margin of error, which is 4%. Then they talk now about Clinton, uh, despite her enormous advantage in uh, people that have already caucused and her field army and so on, is uh, only three points ahead of Bernie, 45% to 42%, which is within the margin of error. And what everybody has been saying is that the reason why tomorrow's outcome is so unpredictable, even more so than with Obama, is that this time around, everybody's got cell phones and they can be talked to, and we're talking now the millennials, let's say the under 45 group, which is the millennials plus some aspect of the Gen X people. The millennials go from age 35 down, and uh, they have shown an enormous uh, support for Bernie. As I say, two to one. Uh, Okay, now the question is, many of them didn't vote last time. Will they show up to do this very complicated process called caucusing? That's why it's really up in the air. There's no way of really knowing, even with this Des Moines Register poll. People were pointing out that the way social media and young people have um, gotten fired up about Bernie, they will be clicking on their phones, looking at the weather. Hey, what are we going to do tonight? Hey, let's go caucus. Hey, how about let's get some of your friends, etc. So there could be an amazing turnout, very difficult to estimate by polling in advance. But even with conventional polling, uh, they're in what the Des Moines Register calls a dead heat. And I think we can safely say that the people that are responsible for this are largely the younger generation. And we'll define it now as 45 years and younger. And people that have been traditionally either disinterested or disempowered and turned off by the um, fatuousness, the hypocrisy, the constant changing of positions, uh, the lack of integrity in the process, and now the dark money that's come in since uh, Citizens United, people think, well, we don't even know who's going to implement what if we vote for any of these people because they're just saying what they think we want to hear. Um, So I think this phenomenon of Bernie is very much connected with what I have been propounding for many years now, which is what Eric Erickson called the need of any civilization in order to survive, to have a healthy, mutually respectful, elder youth ethical dialogue. And by ethical dialogue, he means dialogue that is 
honest, is uh, mutually respective. You say what you mean, and it's about the core values of society and whether or not they're being observed. Because if nobody comments on them honestly, the elite power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely will actually move in the very direction it has moved in the last 30 years, especially the last 10 years in our uh, economic system to uh, a plutocracy or an oligarchy with the masses actually suffering now economically more than uh, the Great Depression. So with that background, what do you think, I've got some ideas, but what do you think is the magic here that's going on between Bernie and young people? Well, I think that, that there, are two, there are two things. Um, that, we, you, as you say, we're used to politicians who are asked a question or have to give a speech, and, and you can almost see the wheels turn in their heads. What was the last poll? What did my handlers tell me I had to say? What do I have to say to these people to make them like me? And what do I actually care about saying? And then they say, and then they respond. And there's no uh, trust in what in, in what they're whether what they're saying is what they truly believe, or whether it's something that is concocted. And alternatively, when uh, someone asks Bernie Sanders a question, uh, there's no there's no kind of wheels turning and. And, and a question, you know, wondering what did the polls say and what should I say? Bernie Sanders answers the question. And uh, that kind of genuine, genuineness cannot be manufactured. Uh, it can't be uh, taught. You can't go to media training and, and learn how to actually be honest and genuine and authentic. They can train you to sound, appear to be, but they can't train you to actually be that person. Bernie Sanders has that quality. Uh, and he has that quality because he's honest. He believes in what he says. He's been saying it for 40 years. Uh, he, he hasn't changed. He believes in it as strongly now or more strongly now than he did 30, 40 years ago. So he doesn't have to, you know, blow in the wind. and He doesn't have to test the waters. He just says what he believes in. And that that genuineness, uh, I think, translates directly to young folks who maybe have not paid very much attention. Um, and now they see this guy who, he's kind of ageless from their point of view. Uh, he's older than they are. Uh, but what he says and how he says it is, uh, is honest and trustworthy. That's number one. Number two is the dollars and cents aspects. Um, a lot of people uh, in the age range, millennials, whatever you want to call them, they have student loans. They went to school, they got trained, they got degrees, but they had to borrow money along the way. And they're still paying off loans at 6%. And Bernie says to them, what is the cost of money in general in the United States today? And... Either they know it's around 2 or 3%, or he says it's 2 or 3%. If you want a mortgage, you can get a mortgage of 3.5% or 4%. So why, if you uh, borrowed money to pay for an education, are you paying 6%? And, why can, and he says, why can't you refinance that? And he says, I think that that is wrong, and if I have an opportunity, 
if I'm in the if I'm in the White House, I will make sure that uh, that that students uh, who have to pay back student loans are uh, not treated uh, differently than other Americans who borrow money for a car, for instance. And so that's a dollars and cents issue. Uh, like other Americans, uh, young young people, uh, you know, young adults are concerned about health care and health insurance and the cost of taking care of themselves. And once again, Sanders says this is an this is an important issue. You know, you shouldn't have to worry about this. Your parents shouldn't have to keep working in order to make sure that you have health insurance. Um, I remember stopping a, a couple uh, who came out of a Sanders speech in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, a few months ago, and uh, I asked them why. What what attracted them to uh, to, to to Sanders? What 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 did he say that you know kind of found a home with them, and they said, you know, we've worked all our lives. We'd like to uh, retire. We can't retire. Our children can't afford health insurance, uh, and uh, we have to help them through. We have to help them through with their student loans. So that kind of um, conversation, that kind of message, uh, that heartfelt focusing on uh, money issues that matter to young folks, to uh, young adults, to uh, retirees, that is very powerful. So I think if you add those two things together, uh, the, uh, the, the genuineness and trust that comes along with it, and his, his speaking to uh, rock-solid financial problems that uh, you know, are besieging a lot of Americans, and plus, you know, it's as if um, you know, the, the generation that you described has to continually ask themselves, and as their parents do, is, are you going to do as well as we did? Are you going to do better than we did? Because, you know, the American dream, um, you know, lays out the prospects that, uh, that you're going to have a family and your children are going to achieve and be able to support themselves, and on and on. Uh, we've, we've arrived at a point in this country where the wealth uh, distribution is so out of whack. There's so many, there's so few people who have so much money uh, that it leaves a great majority of middle class people falling out of the middle class, of working class people falling out of the working class, and of poor people destitute. And if you have a candidate who is willing to say that and is willing to say, this shall not stand, this is wrong, this is un-American, and he says it over and over again, people are going to listen. And I think that it resonates in particular with, uh, with young adults who would like to mm-hmm. look forward to raising a family and, and taking care of them and having them live better than they did. So exactly. I, I think for those reasons, he's, he's speaking to, uh, to young adults, uh, millennials, under 45, uh, and you know, he's speaking also to, to very idealistic college students. Um, who say, Bert Sanders says everything I believe in. Yes, and what I want to show is that this is not only about idealism. As you've said, it's very practical. You know, on the one hand, he says uh, you should have free tuition altogether, and that can be paid for by a very small and very doable transaction tax on Wall Street uh, money transactions that have nothing to do with investment in anything other than making money on arbitrage, uh, money on money. 
And that's actually true. Uh, but it may be a little bit of a stretch, you know, for people to understand in the real world. So he also is saying, you know, the cost of a mortgage, three and a half to four percent. Everybody knows that. It doesn't have a question. And then why should student loans cost six to eight percent? So, you know, it's grounded in reality. He These are not idealistic comments economically. And I want to just say, uh, in my generation, we had the great uh, divide between youth and elders. Uh, and it occurred because of the Vietnam War. And and it has never been healed in 50 years. And this is the beginning, I think, of a new era. We've never seen it before in American politics since uh, that time of the healing between the elders and the youth. And it's happening because of this phenomenal trust that people have in Bernie. And it's phenomenal only in the sense that they uh, know what's happening. They're concerned with their own lives. And what Bernie has said really matters to them. And so we're beginning to repair the life cycle communication of the ethical dialogue uh, that's necessary between elders and youth to keep the people in the middle who are concerned with power and career on track and within uh, the borders of the morality uh, and the economic justice that our society proclaims to have. So I'll say that, and I'll also say that the intergenerational dialogue is going to continue whatever the outcome here in this election. But as I leave, I want to quote from your book to give people a real sense of why they should read it. Here is a nugget from Harry's book. He's talking about this man, Rick Perlstein, who is a nationally recognized journalist. He wrote in the Washington Spectator the following uh, about a Dallas speech that Bernie gave actually several months ago that surprised everybody turning out a huge number of people, thousands and thousands. Quote, the crowd's response to Bernie is so ecstatic, it overdrives my tape recorder. It continues to be a chant, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. And when the show ends, a crowd in a nearly post-coital mood of sated exhilaration does, doesn't want to leave, doesn't leave until Bernie returns to the podium for something I've never witnessed at a political event, an encore, and announces the crowd number 6,000. End of quote. So that's the kind of nuggets that are in this book. And I have to say it's right on because what is intoxicating here is truth. It's like the wine of truth that Rumi talks about in his ecstatic poetry. It touches people at a level of knowingness that's beyond and underneath uh, and much deeper than any kind of intellectual idealism or political preference. They know it's true. As Rumi said, we all know the taste of pure water. And that's what's starting to flow into our political system. And it's never been there before in our day since the assassinations of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And so I stand here as someone who grew up in that era, and I'm here with Harry Jaffe, who graduated college in 1971, the author of this great new book, very, very important for our understanding of how we can move forward as a civilization why Bernie Sanders matters. And I appreciate it a lot. Thank yeah. you. It's been terrific talking with you. And so we'll see what happens tomorrow. And then maybe we'll check in later in the political season. Thank you so much. And, and I think that Sanders is going to matter for a while, not just a few weeks and beyond. Yes. And I think that's the important thing, because we have to keep that ethical values dialogue alive, whatever the outcome of this, because he has said the most important thing. 
Real change can only happen from political revolution that involves literally millions of people turning out into public events and not being so disempowered economically as students or as old people who are worried about their Medicare and, and their uh, Social Security being decreased or taken away by the Paul Ryan Congress. But, but keeping this flame alive, it's like a candle in the wind. It's essential for all of us, whatever the outcome of these primaries and this election one final note, I recommend people read Nicholas Lehman's article in The New Yorker from three years ago about the first Earth Day in which 27 million Americans turned out for teach-ins that day. So we know that the millions of people can come out, and what happened then was Nixon and the Republicans turned on a dime. The EPA was created and was up and running and funded by August of 1970, within six months. So on that note, I'm inviting you to be here next week for Living Dialogues. And you're listening to KGNU Boulder, Denver, 88.5 FM and 1390 AM with translator K229AC in Nederland, Colorado at 93.7 megahertz. This is the station where you can continually tune in and all of our programs to hear and feel the ongoing ethical dialogue between elders, youth, intergenerational that is so important for the survival of our civilization. We here at KGNU are your station that is the candle in the wind to keep that flame alive, whatever the outcome of this presidential season and the elections. So we've just been listening to Why Bernie Sanders Matters, the book by Harry Jaffe that is subtitled, A Nation Will Not Survive Morally or Economically When So Few Have So Much and So Many Have So Little. This ethical dialogue can be kept alive in many ways. Another way of keeping this very deep dialogue of ethical values alive. If you'd like to listen freely to additional archived visionary dialogues with myself and other transformational thinkers, you can go to www.kgnu.org forward slash living dialogues. That's living, D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E-S. And for additional dialogues, you can also Google Duncan Campbell, the best in new paradigm thinking, and click on the Living Dialogues icon. Thanks again for your deep listening in evoking this program. All the very best.